Do you find that intriguing or discerning or, dis or disconcerting here that I'm carrying a balloon with me as I walk up here? Yeah, a little nervous. What's he going to do or say? Who knows? So last week, uh, if you were with us, we, we took a little detour off of our first John study, and, and we're going to stay on that field trip today a little bit. Uh, it's kind of fun. I'm enjoying this when it doesn't go according to my plan, but God has something different. So I'm going to pray before we jump into that, and we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, Lord, we give this time to you. I pray that you would uh, use every word that you would direct me to speak through the Spirit, Lord, that you would use that, that it would touch the minds and the hearts of the men and the women here and the young men and the women, and that it would be used to uh, grow and change and transform us and to be greater and deeper worshipers of you, and that this might be that every time moment that draws us back to you, no matter how far or hard we fall, or how anxious we are, or how upset we are, or how nervous we are, that you are the unchanging, all-powerful God, and we just praise your name, we worship you, and we uh, do this because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his power and his name that we have right to come before you, Lord, and opportunity to praise you. Amen. So if I, if I give you this, this phrase, little foxes of sin, you heard that before? It's kind of an idea, let's just put it this way, I, I'm not going to tell you anything new for most of you. Hopefully it's a reminder and I hope that the Holy Spirit will, will use this to teach and direct you. Um, a couple things, I brought this, if you were here last week you would know uh, the illustration from last week involved a balloon and the idea was that, that we're here in a fellowship of people who are coming to a worship or kind of, some of you might be on the fence, some of you might have been dragged in today against your will, and, and for the rest of you, you're in some kind of pursuit of a life with Christ and trying to navigate uh, being in this world but not being uh, under the control of this world, under the control of the evil one. You're trying to become more and more like Jesus and less and lo less like the world. This is the hope. Okay. That, that is the expectation uh, of, of being a Christ follower. So with that, this illustration was a balloon because it floats above and there's a connection that comes down from above and that connection would symbolize the Holy Spirit, right? And so in a walk with Christ, the idea is Jesus, when he was on this earth, was talking to us about, you know, abide in me, you know, come to me. And it's this idea of, of God is, is, unlike this balloon, unmovable and unchanging. But he, in his grace and mercy, has given us a connection through the Holy Spirit to him. And so what we do is we hold on for dear life. And so one of those scriptures, let's just give you this little asterisk note. There's going to be a lot of different scriptures, so if you're a note taker, this is a great day for you. But let, let's go through this foundation so we can kind of get to my main point for the day. So let me give you a, for, a few scriptures. And this will be on video if you need to refer to it. God willing that it works, okay? Uh, John 15 verses four through seven say this, abide in me, right? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is, you know, kind of like what Ross was talking about. In the life of, of somebody who wants to follow Christ, there seems to be hills and valleys, right? And when we, when we fall into these traps, we, we lose heart. And so the reminder that I have to give you in this is, from last week is like, okay, abide in Christ. You know, be near him. Stay in him. Do the things that it is to keep him in your, the forefront of your mind, the focus of your life. Like, do those things and continually coming back to it. But here's the problem. When you came and you found him and you got so excited you held on for dear life, that wasn't the end. That would have been nice if that was the end. That would have been easier. But when Jesus was getting ready to, to uh, be crucified, right? Um, sorry. In John, in John 17, before Jesus was captured, arrested, killed, resurrected, hung out for 40 days, then went to be with the Father, right? He does this prayer that we refer to as the high priestly prayer. And in that, this comes from John 17, 1, 7. I'm going to give you part of verse 11. It says, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. That's what we talked about last week, right? Keep him, abide in him. Keep them in my name, Father. While I was here, he said, I kept them in your name. I kept them focused on you. I kept them coming to you. But now I'm leaving. So please, while I'm gone, will you keep them in your name? And then verse 15, later on in his prayer, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Bummer. Emily, this is a bummer. Because otherwise you would come, you'd find Christ, you'd grab on and you'd sail away. And that would be easier. But instead, Jesus said, here's how it's going to go. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world. But that you keep them from the evil one. So it's this reality that we're trying to abide in Christ and follow him. But meanwhile, he's given us a life where there's things that we're doing. There's relationships that we have. There's work to be done. There's experiences to have and lessons to learn. And so it's almost like this. We're holding on to Christ with all that we can. But meanwhile, we're, you know, if you might be a parent or, or a spouse or a worker or, or a Sunday school teacher or an engineer or, you know, whatever it is that you do, um, you're going to juggle both, right? And inevitably, it gets difficult. So that's what we kind of talked about last week. And I want to keep, keep going with that idea. Maybe that's not going to work now. Um, so we'll keep going with that idea here. So the, the thing that I need to remind you and show you is that this connection, which is symbolized by this string here, is actually the Holy Spirit. That's the way that this works. When Jesus left, he said, I'm leaving, and this is good news for you. And they're like, how in the world, right? This is Will's paraphrase. How in the world is this good news, Jesus? Because when you were with us, it was awesome. We could listen to you, talk to you, bring our problems, do what you did. When we got hungry, you made bread multiply and fish multiply. When there was a storm, when we were going across the sea, you calmed the storm. How in the world are we going to do this without you? And he says, oh, don't wait. This is, this is going to be better. <laughs> and that better was this Holy Spirit. It was this connection. It was God with us. 100% with us. And so really what's happening is the Holy Spirit is how we abide in God, how we are kept in his name and how we are kept from the evil one. Does that make sense? Kind of. The Holy Spirit's hard to understand, right? Because we're physical and he's spirit. But 
you understand in principle that this is the hope for us, is that we've been given the Spirit of God to live in us, guide us, direct us, convict us, okay? Now, be, now here's a fact that I need to tell you. We're building some foundation here. Your life will have fruit. I got too many illustrations already, but I had a tree at my house for two years, these little apple trees, and I kind of joked with Brandy about it. It's funny because for two years, there was nothing on these trees, just leaves, and so I could say they were apple trees, but technically, until they produced apples, were they really apple trees? Fair enough? At this point, they were producing ants and not apple trees, apparently, because it was the only place around with water. And skunks love them for some reason. But now, this year, it's different. They're producing apples. It's kind of exciting, right? I'm getting old. These things are exciting, Emily, now. You know, my beard's getting gray. These things weren't so much before, but now, ooh, agriculture, fun. Um, I need to tell you this truth. Your life will not be uh, fruitless, okay? We can pretend that it is. We can pretend to be lukewarm and that what we do, say, and be doesn't matter, but it does. Your life will produce one of two kinds of fruit. The first one, and they're both referred to by here with your notes, Galatians 5. Very popular scripture. Uh, This one is called, Our life will produce some kind of fruit is what I titled this. If we're living with God, kept in his name and abiding in him, this is what happens. We get what they call the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ is Uh, Christ Jesus have crucified their flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So you see that? This is where we get it wrong. I'm supposed to come up here and tell you to be love, be joy, be peace. No, 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 no. That's not what this says. I could not will that tree to have apples, right? There wasn't a, a prayer to pray for apples. There wasn't a, a treatment for apples. What, I, what it needed was good soil, water, and sun, right? It needed power beyond me to feed it. And when it was fed, when it grew, automatically the fruit that comes out of it is apples. When you are in the Spirit, then what comes out of you is love. You don't start with love. You start with being with God and God being with you. It's the abiding You start doing this, and every time you get distracted, you come back to that. The fruit of your life will be these things. The problem with religion, guys, and this is a lot. The problem with religion is we end up taking our our hands and eyes off of Jesus, and we move our hands and eyes to love and joy and peace. Have you seen this? You understand there's a whole spirituality out there that people practice that has nothing to do with God. They focus on being really loving or being very peaceful or being very gentle. And although those are really good traits, those aren't fruit coming from a good vine or tree. They're they're just your flesh, your attempt to be those things. Now, if you're not abiding in him, here's the danger. You say, I'm so peaceful, right? I'm so loving. Well, it falls apart eventually. It falls apart eventually. And then what ends up happening is what they're they're also talking about. This is Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. 
if we're not in him, if we're disconnected or distracted, if we've fallen away from him, if we're not doing those things to connect with him, then what, what this says is verse 19 says, this is the acts of the flesh or the fruit of the flesh. And they're obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So what you see is people who are acting very peaceful and very loving, but they're so loving they want to have debauchery. That's not the fruit of God. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. So, so first of all, understand you and I will have fruit. Will it be fruit of living our own way, the fruit of our flesh, or will it be a fruit of living God's way, the Spirit? Okay, we got that. We're abiding in God, right? We're focusing on Him. It's easy to get distracted because this is not the only thing. It's easy for the pastor guy who gets paid to do this, but you got to go work 50 hours somewhere else, right? You're doing these things. You don't just sit in front of your Bible all day. I get that. But to be a worshiper, this has to become so primary that it becomes the focus. And then what you're doing, it's not separate. You do it for the glory of God. Fair enough? But once again, that's a different sermon. Would you go to that next slide? It's not going to work again for me. Okay. Jesus talked about this. John 15, 1. Look, this is a 4D experience here. We got lights in and out, and like this is all this wind. It's great. John 15, 1. Jesus says this. Jesus is the true vine. God is the vine dresser. So if you want fruit, the source of all your nutrients, the metaphor, the metaphor, the picture that the scripture uses is one more agriculture, right? It's these vines. It's like if you are not part of, if you're a, a branch off a vine, you don't produce your own life. At best, you and I are branches. Our life, our fruit, what happens with us doesn't come from us. It comes from an external source, Right? And what Jesus is saying is, understand, I am the vine. If you, as a branch, want to bear fruit, you've got to come to me. But understand that God the Father is the vine dresser. So he will do these things to uh, trim off the bad, right? And that, that sucks. To put that in biblical terms, that, that sucks. That hurts. It's painful. It's not fun. It's wherein lies a lot of our problems. And we over-spiritualize it and say, well, that's Satan. He really did that to me. Maybe, but the problem with that is the scripture often said that God was like, hey, look at my friend Job. I bet you he'll still praise my name even if I kick him in the knees. And, and he kicked him in the knees, and then Satan kicked him in the knees, and they kept going back and forth to see who could kick harder, right? It wasn't all, uh-oh, Jesus, come back. Um, see, look, you get distracted telling jokes, and then you lose sight of the Lord. Perfect illustration. Um, Okay, I guess it's still not going to go. Will you go again for me? Now, now what I want to talk to you about is we have a problem, right? We're, when we're trying to uh, abide in Christ, what I'm observing is there's a lot of people, man. We know the songs. We know the scriptures. We, we think we're doing the right things to abide in Christ. But inevitably, we end up finding something that's referred to in the Song of Solomon. There's lots of debate. Is the Song of Solomon uh, a writing about lovers? Is it some sort of uh, picture of God's love for Israel? Either way, 
either way, what you believe it to be true, uh, my point will remain true, and that's this. This is from Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, whatever you want to call it, chapter 2, verse 15. And the context of this is, you know, conversation between lovers, but the principle remains the same. Verse 15 says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. Here's the principle I want to give to you. What's a fox? I mean, a fox doesn't seem intimidating, right? It's small. It, you know, the small fox doesn't seem to be something that would devour you. Like, watch out for the lions. Now, now you've got people's attention. The problem about this is that in the context of ancient times, these foxes, although they didn't usually cause physical damage to the people, you know what they wreaked havoc on? The crops, the food, the land. As a matter of fact, they were a tool of warfare oftentimes, right? There's, there's stuff in the Old Testament where when you really wanted to mess with somebody, they would release foxes into their, into their vineyards, into their crops, and they would, they would destroy those things kind of subtly, you know, much more subtle than a natural disaster, right, or a, or a fire. Um, but they're one of those things that would kind of sneak in and destroy so here's the problem. Now we're getting to my point for today. The problem is we say that we're in Christ, but the fruit of our lives does not show that we are. And this gets back to a lot of what 1 John was talking about. John was writing in 1 John. Do you guys see this? We say that we're in Christ, but the fruit of our lives do not show that we are. Wait, 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 wait a second, Will. You know, hey, I'm here. Should be talking to everyone who stays home and doesn't get up and go to church. Now, I appreciate that you make the effort to come here and worship together with other people. And I'm glad that, that we're here sharing this. I'm glad that we're singing. I'm glad that we're praying. I'm glad that we're hugging, enjoying each other. Um, I'm glad that we're, we're opening the Bible or at least hearing about it if you're not opening yours. But ultimately, uh, the expectation is that you may come however you are, but you shouldn't stay unchanged. The life of a Christian is one of growing and, and changing. And so if you examine your own life, right? This is another thing we talked about last week. Jesus illustrated this principle to us that oftentimes we become just so judgmental. And what it really is, is we, in the context of community, is we're trying to follow and abide in Christ together, which is a good thing, right? We do this bad thing. We begin to get annoyed with one another because each one of us has these tendencies, issues, problems, personality differences that, uh, like, my stuff doesn't stink, but yours does, right? And, and the principle here is this. It's, it's what you got to realize is even though you might see what seems to be a speck in your brother's eye or your sister's eye, like a splinter, just a speck, the reality is you've got an entire log in yours. And the application is this. Anytime I look at you and I say, ooh, look at their life, and I see that splinter, that should be a great indicator to me to stop and say, Lord, wait a second. If I'm seeing the splinter, then it's a log problem, right? I've got a log in my own eye. So we're easy to criticize others, talk the right talk, pretend to do the right things. However, fruit does not lie. And that's why so many of us might sing pretty, praise God, say God bless you at the end of our emails and our voicemails, 
but that does not mean that we really trust God. Make sense? You can be pastors and not walk with God. You can be Sunday school teachers and not walk with God. Husbands, wives, grandpas, grandmas, and not walk with God. And you need to walk with God. You desperately need to walk with God. And I need you to walk with God. And the world needs you to walk with God. And everyone around you needs you to walk with God. And not just talk the talk. And not pretend. And not fake. And let's be real. Okay? I don't need a job. Okay, I could get a job. I'm here because God has asked me to. And I got to be real with you. See, so why are we running into this problem? Here's another reason why. There's probably a million reasons why we say one thing and do the other. But here's another one. The reason why is these little foxes of sin that spoil the vineyard of our life. They prevent us from fruitfulness that comes from abiding in the Spirit of God. The little foxes. I don't know what happened to that apple tree the first two years. If it was just part of the maturation process, and you needed to go through Christianity 101 and 102 to get fruit, I don't know. But you know what? There could have been so many little foxes, those ants, uh, wind, an animal, a late freeze, all these subtle things that I didn't notice that killed the fruit. And you and I are no different. I'm glad you're here worshiping with us, but this church, guys, wow, man, like if there's... a Five people or 5,000 people, that's not up to me. I just want to be honest with you. And so if you're here shopping churches, you should just keep shopping because we don't need consumers. We need Christians in our world, right? And so I've got to just exhort you and, and challenge you and bring the truth to you so that you'll be Christians. And what I'm telling you is in my life and yours, the little fox is killing our fruitfulness. These little foxes of sin. Okay, what in the world are little foxes? Guys, and this isn't my fresh idea. I've, I've learned this from a few sources, but this has become a big conversation at my house between Brandy and I. In some of the studies some of you ladies have been in, I don't think us guys have got into this too much. There's a lot of information, even through the, um, the Father's Business, uh, this prayer portions book talks a lot about this, and, and some other people. But little foxes are those compromises of little sin. Because we come here, and for most of you, for me to say, oh, man, you know, quit being hooked on crack. You're like, yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. Some of you may be. Or like, yeah, I was a murderer, okay? I was in prison, right? Like all these, what we want to classify, right, with a big log in our eye. Like, well, you, <laughs> you did this, and you did that, but I'm so righteous because I don't do that. So those big sins, right, if you will, as if there's such a thing, those big sins, these like, oh, yeah, you know, well, I, I'm pretty, keep it pretty clean, and oh, I'm doing okay, but no fruit, but no fruit. Man, I don't, I don't cuss, drink, chew, or run with women who do, right? Well, good for you, but it doesn't mean there's not the little foxes in your life. Oh, man, you know, do you see that person in their sexual sin? This is a good one this day and age, right? Like, you criticize what everyone else does with their sexuality, but then you're okay with what it is that you do with yours. Little foxes, those compromises of little sins. You might excuse them with, I'm just that way. It's just the way that I am, or it's not a big deal, or because of my life and my circumstance, this is what I do to cope. Right? 
Uh, let's give an example. Our, our culture, a lot of people, and some of us might live this way, we need caffeine to wake up and alcohol to go to sleep or meds to go to sleep, right? A lot of people live that way. And, and doctors would actually help you live that way if you let them. Um, but you know and I know it's not good for our bodies, right? So we're okay with that, but the guy on crack, that he's bad and I'm good. I'm still using chemicals, right? So, like, oh, the guy who cheats on his wife. Well, that's clearly bad, but the guy addicted to porn, that's better? No, it's not better. It's both wrong, right? Uh, and then the wife who's cold to her husband, that's okay? No, that's not okay either. You see, it's all, it's all these sins. Like, that's what Jesus is like. Don't hate your, well, I don't hate him. Well, yeah, yeah, the way that you're in your heart, you do hate him. And so it's like you're murdering. Why didn't murder? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Your heart is. Why didn't cheat on my wife? But yeah, in your heart and in your mind, you lusted after that. Why didn't steal what my neighbor had? Yeah, but you coveted in your heart. I wish I had what they had. And Jesus is like, your heart is still wrong in that. It's still sin. And this is the problem, guys. This continues today, these little foxes and this whole attitude, right? Especially in churches, because the reality is most of us, when we're young, we start here, our parents make us go, and then it doesn't seem to be working, what we're telling you. And so you go to college, and you got to work weekends, you disappear. And then you get like our age, and you come back with your kids, maybe, right? But there's not enough kid programs in most churches. So you go to a big old church with tons of cash to throw t-shirts at you every week, Right? And no offense to those guys, they're doing what they can, but then the 90% of the church is full of 60-plus-year-olds. And 60-plus-year-olds are famous for having this attitude, this is just the way that I am, I'm done changing. Bull feces, okay? Not the Christian walk. Be real, change, be honest. How was it to make it to 50 years of marriage? How hard was that? Like, the 30-year-olds, they need it. And you're going to keep losing us, and then we're going to go somewhere else, and then you're going to lose our kids, and that's just going to be us hanging out, not changing at all, doing any different. And then the world watches all the Christians, right? And so like Ross said about all his friends, it seems like crap, so they just stop going. They stop talking to God. It's like he's not even real. And then we lose our culture, and then we want to fight about cultural issues. Abortion, homosexuality, this, that, stuff that's against the Bible. Duh, because we don't care what the Bible says because the little foxes have distracted us so much that we've created little Christian distractions. It's not about God. It's not about abiding in Him. It's our political agenda, or I'm against this, or I'm for this, or we like this music, or we hate this music, or I, I go to this small group, right? It's like us. It's not God. We're not worshipers of God. We're worshipers of self. And see, what happens is those mistakes... These little foxes, those weaknesses, those ways of coping, character flaws. Pause a second. You guys think I'm, I'm void of these issues? Heck no. Ask my kids, am I void of these issues? Not a chance. Not a chance. The awful thoughts I've even thought in this building. God has to constantly prune and, and shape and and direct me, and I constantly have to make that corrective move momentarily, hour by hour, more than that, to come back to him and not get stuck on the world's systems. Let me give you an example. Next week, I won't be here. I'm going to actually uh, take my wife to celebrate our anniversary. Guess what the church system says? Don't say that because you guys won't show up. Do you know that? I've been told that by like 30 people, no kidding. That's not what you do in church. I won't be here. 
still come because God's still going to be here. And he's going to be with me and my wife, right? So, so forget the crap and let's get to the reality, okay? Here is the truth. Let's get to the truth. Let's be real. I love my wife. I'm glad to hang out with her. I'm probably going to like try to kiss her too much. You know, it's going to be awesome. Get a little sunburned on my head, probably accidentally. It's going to be really cool to get away. But so I can tell you that, and let's not go with the world Christian system. Let's go with God as our Lord and Savior. See, and God says these little mistakes, these weaknesses, these, these ways of coping, these character flaws are rationalized by ourselves. Oh, it's just the way it is. Right? It's like the Pharisee, in, in, right, in the center who's praying. The Pharisee's like, oh, man, God, I'm just so glad I'm not as, as much crud as that guy. Right? And Jesus points him out as, don't be this guy. Don't be this Pharisee. Where the center is just sitting there beating his chest like, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus is like, that's the way to be, not that way. Be honest. Be real. But that's what happens. These little sins we just rationalize. Oh, everybody does. What do you think that's the fruit of? Like the self and the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? What do you think? You can speak back. Self. Awesome. Somebody speak back. Cool. Yeah, the self, the flesh. So the problem with that is they go on. They're excused. We don't actually feel remorse. We don't ever repent. We don't ever apologize. We don't ever let our mind be changed by the Holy Spirit, Right? We don't let our mind be changed by the Holy Spirit so that we can change our behavior. So our behavior stays the same. Our connection with God is interrupted because we're distracted. And we don't repent. We don't change. We become toxic for ourselves. We become toxic for those closest to us. We become toxic for the greater world around us. And so you have 144 churches full of toxic people, right? Not really following God. And then you wonder why your community is lost for Christ. Because even though you say God bless you at the end of your emails, after everyone sneezes and on every voicemail that you leave, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. And if I say God is good and you say all the time, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. And if you're the one that talks the most during the church service, that doesn't mean you're the Christian. And the problem is this goes on and on. And so the fruit of your life comes from what? Those excused mistakes right? Excused mistakes. Maybe this is a vanilla example. So uh, a parent and a kid, those relationships get weird, right? So maybe the parent, the kid's nasty to the parent, so the parent's nasty back, and you do one of these, these uh, crazy cycles, as we call it in mental health profession, right? The crazy cycle. And I hurt you, so you hurt me, we hurt. At some point in time, somebody has to quit saying this is just how it is, and they have to do the right thing, right? And if you're the parent, you should be the one to do the right thing. You're the parent. You should stop and say, man, I blew it, and I am sorry. No excuses, no blame, no lame, no yeah buts, right? You want to stop the crazy, you stop the behavior. When you don't stop the behavior because you're unremorseful, unrepentful, the fruit of your life is still your daughter won't talk to you. Husbands, you don't cherish your wife, good luck getting her to come towards you. 
Wives, you don't love your husband in that come toward sort of way, good luck getting him to cherish you. And these are the little foxes that we live in. And so young people look to you and say, I don't even know what to do. And the culture looks to you to say, well, marriage is stupid. And so everyone lives together, right? And then you say, they got mortgages and stuff. And I had some friends that did that too. And I said, you know, you have more paperwork to split up than Brandy and I do when we were married. And when we were in college, this happened because I got married when I was 20. So it was like I had a second head. When I was going to ASU, they were like, you're weird. You're 20 and you're married. I'm like, you have a dog and a mortgage and I just have an apartment, man. Well, if we got divorced, we'd fill out the paperwork. You're just as tied in, but the world has given you an example that marriage is crap, so you didn't want to do it. And you want to harp on them. You guys should get married. Don't harp on them. Have a good marriage. How is that working? Right, right. Standing on the corner yelling at people, do the right thing when you don't. It's not working. It's craziness. It's foolishness. So the fruit of your life is the fruit of the flesh and not of the spirit. Okay. So here's the meat of this. Let's see how well you can see this. Um, I might have to touch on this more because this is just so much. It's probably a class rather than a sermon. But uh, Jackie's shaking her head back there. Um, this one's all zoomed in. Fun. Look over here. Okay. So let me give you, I think I've got eight different sections of, of categories that I would, we would refer to. Like These aren't my ideas, once again. Um, these are categories of little foxes or these sins, right? These sins that are kind of getting in the way. And I, I think of it good to keep this as that illustration, because just because it's Christian, guys, doesn't mean it's abiding in Christ, okay? Say that. Just because it's Christian, say that part. Christian doesn't mean it's abiding in Christ. Okay? But the whole, but the religion, you don't have to repeat this part, but the religion isn't evil because we've got to do something to create some kind of system so that we can come together and worship, right? I mean, we've got this building and it gets air conditioned so you'll stay listen to me rant for an hour, right? And like there's chairs that got to be a certain amount of comfortable. We got you caffeinated up. All those things are probably not, they're not written exactly in the scripture, but we've, we've prayed and this is what our best attempt, okay? But don't confuse this for abiding with, with Christ, okay? So what happens is the little fox is it looks like this. Oh, yes, you know, God, I'm, I'm with you, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, right? I'm, I'm abiding, I'm doing whatever it is that you guys do. And this looks like a lot of things. I think a church service attendance does this, reading your Bible does this, maybe taking a walk does this in nature. Maybe the ocean does this for you. Maybe watching your kids or grandkids laugh, that belly laugh that little kids have. Maybe that makes you bring glory to God, singing hymns. Maybe you like that or Southern gospel or, or the praise choruses of, of more recent days or, or praise rock songs or even like, you know, screaming hard rock Christian songs. All those things can bring glory to God. And all those things can draw you, your focus back to Him, okay? With the little foxes, they begin to distract you. And so you disconnect from the source of all your fruitfulness. And then the only thing that can happen is response. And response is fruit of the flesh, You see, response is fruit of the flesh. 
So here's the first category, anger. It's this idea of, of not forgiving or loving like God has loved and forgave you. It is complicated but simple. God's like, I've loved you and forgave you so much that you're supposed to do this to other people. Makes sense, right? Okay. So here's categories, things that we're doing, little foxes that, you know, hopefully some of these are probably going to kind of hit home with some of us and, and cause you to dig into this deeper. First one, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, revenge, hurts, keeping accounts, right of wrongs, uh, impatience. Anyone saying, oh, man? See, some of us, if you want to, sim- I, I oversimplify things. So some of us, man, we just love justice so much, it drives us nuts to see unjust things. And then the other half of us are kind of oblivious, like, I don't know, whatever, right? So when you're like the justice person, this can be really hard because it's like they're getting away with it or that is wrong. Somebody needs to stop them now, Right? And then the other half of us are just so permissive of it, we never challenge them. We're just like, yeah, sure, do whatever you want. And both ways are really wrong. Jesus' way was weird, right? At times it was like he's hanging out with a tax collector and just eating and drinking wine with... That's, you ate and you drank wine with sinners? That's very unchristian, Randy. And then he's like yelling at the church people, throwing their ta- changing table over, right? So... Unless you abide in him, you don't necessarily know when you need to say something and when you don't. Anger. Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. I mean, we, could take, we could take a month just on these things. But there's a forgiveness category, okay? Probably something that we need to keep visiting periodically. What is forgiveness? What does it look like? Okay, would you go to the next one for me? Pride. Pride, right? Dishonoring God's grace. See, God's grace is like, I didn't earn his favor, but I got it. So if I feel like I got to puff myself up to make everyone, including me, think I'm worthy of his, then I've discounted his grace. Does that make sense? The fact that I'm not worthy of it, yet I still get it, that makes you what? Grateful, right, is the word. It's the, it's the bad word we don't like, grateful, right? Because it causes me to take this focus off myself and to God. So dishonoring God's grace. So having a cold heart or cold love, a critical spirit, right? Like I'm better than you, right? The whole log thing, right? The pride. Um, So judging, envy, jealousy, murmuring and complaining. Oh, ow, right? Oh, man. We got this whole cancel culture, like critical culture. It's funny to watch your kids grow up because you go to school and part of the system is read this and tear it apart. Look at this picture and tear apart why they're wrong, right? And then you become an adult and then they're like, oh, it turns out God's way was for you not to be so dang critical. Yet we've been teaching you the last 22 years to criticize everything. How's that go? That's fun. And then church is even worse, right? Because now you've got a whole other set of rules and laws like, don't do this, don't do that. So you start harping at people right, about things that they're saying, like, this is wrong, this is right, oh, man, you judge, you murmur, and you complain, you're being opinionated, no one here is opinionated, right, 
No, no. Not grumpy, opinionated, offending others, stubbornness, and all the stubborn people are like, no, I'm not. Right, right now, they're just like saying that, but, but pride, dishonoring God's grace. Like, you guys see, this is impossible for you to get this on your own. That's why, and once again, right, that's why it's like, oh, Lord, right? I, I, you have to keep coming back. The next one, it worked, Lord. Self, right? The self not honoring Jesus as Lord, but you become the center. And this is so big. Most of our religion takes God and puts him in terms we understand. And on the positive, that helps us because we can excuse away our bad behavior. On the negative, here's what happens. You don't really think that God could be that forgiving and loving. And why is that? Because you're not. You get that? On the, na- on the positive side for you, you love to make God small enough that like you can kind of control your life and not do what he says. The negative part is you can't even get to step one, which is realizing I've made a mistake, but God loves me so much that he'll forgive those mistakes. Why? Because Dante, if, if you and I were in friendship, I don't think I could be that forgiving and loving. And I know you, and I'm sure you probably, it would be hard for us to betray one another like God, like we betrayed God. I mean, we're talking like, like you cheating with my wife and killing my kids, right? That's kind of what we've done to God. That's, that's the metaphor of the scripture. You and I would not be bros, man, if that happened, because I am not God. I'd love to say I would. I'd visit him in jail and give him a big hug, but I don't know that I would do that. But God would do that. He did that. Like Jesus, he was saving the people killing him. Right? So, selfishness, self-centeredness, no one's got that. Self-pity, oh, on the other end, I'm not selfish, but poor me. It's like that martyr attitude. That's bad in my family, we do that, like, oh, yeah, poor me. Self-justification, defending my rights, striving with God. I'm going to help him because he can't do it. Unkindness, attitudes or actions that are unloving, impatience, insensitivity. Everyone get the pictures they need of this or notes? Uh, No fear of God is another of these little foxes, not honoring God's holiness that he set apart. So this can be disobedience. You don't like where this conversation is going, huh? Yeah. Stay with it. Jackie, the thing that blows my mind is, oh, man, we just want, we want absolutes. In an elders meeting not too long ago, Tim said something to me, which was pretty profound. And Tim said, you know, well, and, and the context isn't important, but he said, I don't think those two things have to be mutually exclusive. Meaning that's, that's our mind, right? Our linear thinking. It's got to be A or B. And so when it comes to God, it's like, is it really his grace that saves it or, or is it my obedience? What's the answer? Grace? What's the answer? It's both, really. I know, and that sounds weird. Oh, this is sacrilegious. I'm walking out. Okay, go ahead. Well, listen to me first, okay? Okay. If we really have surrendered to God, if we have a faith that changes us, our behaviors will change. 
It's not mutually exclusive. If you simply don't have faith in God, if you don't come to that saving relationship with him, then, then you won't have faith and your faith won't change your actions and your behaviors won't change and you'll continue to be disobedient. And I'm not the heaven and hell judge. I retired from that, Randy, like early on. Like, I'm not going to go there with you. Well, I go to heaven. That's not my job. Thank you, Lord, right? But here's what I'll tell you. I will, I will jump on your shoulders and ride your back till you do both. Till you are obedient to God so that you have fruit that honors God. And you have, but you only do that because first and foremost, you have faith in God. You have trust in him. But if you have trust in him, you're going to act in that way. If you have trust in God, you're going to fear God. If you don't fear in God, here's what happens. You don't honor his holiness. Disobedience. Compromise. Remember the gentle one, you tolerate evil. Oh, it's okay. No, we don't tolerate evil. Busyness. I don't, I don't fear him. I'm not going to slow down to listen to him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get this job done. I'm going to charge that hill. Little prayer. You don't depend on him. You don't come to him. Not knowing God through his word. You don't, I haven't read the word. I just listened to somebody else do it, and I believe what they said. Gossip, right? You don't think, you don't think that there's consequence because Jesus came. Guess what? There's still consequence because even after Jesus came. There's still consequence. So fear would have us uh, be afraid of gossiping, be afraid of coming against people, being afraid of, right? Like tearing down what God's put together. If we had a fear of God, we would cherish our marriages. We would cherish babies. We would take care of ourselves. We would love our neighbor because if we don't do the things that God's asked us to do, the fruit of our life won't be good. Our pet sins. You don't think, you think God's just okay with these pet sins, these little foxes that you keep in a cute cage in your house? We can't. I can't. You can't. Not heeding to the discipline of God. Next one, control. We'll just I'll stop there for a second. Control. Anyone know this one? Not honoring God's sovereignty. Is your mind numb yet? Okay, it's going to get worse. Check this out. We got a God who gives us free will to choose his way or not his way, right? But he's outside of time. Like, I, I don't even have words for that. Like he's so many steps ahead of you that even though you have free will, he doesn't lose control of what's going on. He doesn't lose the direction of what's going on. And so even in our worst decisions, our worst mistakes, God is not taken by surprise. He's not lost his ability to be God or to rule. I mean, he's seen it play out enough that he told it to people thousands of years ago and they wrote, they wrote down from the best that they could see what would happen when the world ended? And we're not even there yet. This, you are not in control. Not honoring his sovereignty, his reign over all. 
Like even in the, if you even read in the Bible, any encounter with Satan, it's never like Jesus is like, oh, that's Satan. He duped me. That's not how it goes. Like if you read about that, he's always like, Satan's like, God, can I go do this? Sure. Like that's how much control he has. That is how much control he has. So Satan and the enemy, they're messing with us, but he hasn't lost his reign. He reigns over all. So when we try to control, we do things like have expectations that are not given. We demand our rights. We have this independent spirit. It's about me. We try to manipulate people around us. Like we have this magic wand. We're perfectionists. Anyone, go, anyone going crazy because this floor is not finished over here? It's kind of a joke between us. We love it. It's like messy a little bit, you know? Does it bother you I'm not wearing shoes? I mean, so, so these are the things that bring out that control, right? It's a control, not honoring his sovereignty. Lust, okay, this one, we, we, we talk a lot about this, right? Lust, not honoring the righteousness of God and his provision. So this could be sexually, so coveting a person sexually, sexual indulgence, uh, love, but it could also be the love for things in this world, the lust for things in this world, for money, for power, for prestige. Lust can be a divided heart, these eternal values, right? The things that God says are important in his kingdom, and then the earthly values are the, world, the things here. And this leads to generation after generation. I'm, I've been around 40 years, right? But in my lifetime, I've seen how many generations of people think that money, fame, and popularity were going to make them happy. They get it, and then they destroy themselves, and then they make TV specials about it. But you know, you go to high school, you go to the middle school, all those kids are wanting the same thing. The divided heart, the eternal values versus the world's values. And then the other, another example is gluttony or addiction to anything. The problem with all those things is when it comes to lust, it's never enough, right? How much is enough money? There's not enough. How, how much is enough power? There's never enough power. Enough sex is never enough sex. You want your neighbor's car, so you get the same car, but then they get a different car, so you want the new car they have. Why should you get the 2000? I should get the iPhone 36. What's different about that? Well, it's yellow now. Cool. It's just implanted in my head now. This is great. I want that. Okay, lying. Uh, Not honoring the truth. So here's a shorter list. Falseness or pretense. Deception. Untruth. The problem with lying is, right, like, it's, it's an old uh, wisdom saying. It's like the problem with lying is it's harder because then you have to remember which lie you told to who so you can keep those lies going. And, and the truth becomes so much simpler. Like, I like to think this. At some point in time, if someone's like, oh, Will said something or Will looked at me in kind of a weird way, then all of you are going to say, yeah, that dude's a mess. We knew that. We know he he loses temper or be impatient. Like we knew that about him. He wasn't lying. The fact that that's true about him doesn't throw me off with God at all. 
The difference if I came here, right, to be like holier than all you guys, and it turns out I wasn't, which I'm not, then what happens? Like a third of you stop going to church. This is, it's just happening across the U.S. And the bigger the church, the worse it is. Lying, telling the truth, being honest. See, I used to not think that, I wouldn't consider it a lie um, because I was such a people pleaser. And I mean, I am, I'm recovering, right? I'm a people pleaser. I, I only wanted to say the nice things. And I didn't want to confront you if you did something wrong. And that's, that's being half the person that God's wanted me to be. And so with this pretense, I, I was gentle or kind about it. And so you didn't know if there was something wrong. And that's something I'm trying to come at it because that's lying too. This being honest is so important amongst the brethren, right? Amongst the brothers and sisters. And then unbelief. Not honoring or trusting God at his word. It's, it's that fear. It's the what if, right? I don't believe that God will take care of it. I love when my, my wife will meet with people. She went through some counseling classes. And, and a traditional, and this comes from people, but it's really cool. It's profound, I think. If you ask somebody, I'm really worried about this, right? And you're like, okay, well, let's, let's just go with that. Oh, man, I'm really worried. Like, what if my son who's driving now gets in a car accident and dies? Okay, well, well what if your son does get in a car accident and die? Well, it'd be really sad, yeah. It'd be really hard, yeah. Well, has anyone else ever had a son get in a car accident and die? Yeah. Was it really hard for them? Yeah. What, what happened eventually? Well, they were still alive. And then where's their son? Well, he was a Christian, so he's in heaven. Okay, so you think the same thing would happen to you? Yeah. I mean, you take it to the extreme, right? Well, what if, okay, well, what if that happened? Would God still be in control? Would he still be good? Like, what are you so worried about? The what ifs, right? Then there's guilt, this unbelief. Guilt because I don't believe that God can forgive me. I don't believe that there's a new life available to me. Living by feelings, like I don't believe that there's this absolute truth. I don't believe, I don't trust, so I'm just living by however I feel this moment. There's no joy, right? Because you don't have hope. Depression, hopelessness, tension, anxiety, worry. If these things are you, there might be that little fox of unbelief. Okay, well, well, that's a lot, yeah? What am I supposed to do about it? Okay, well, first, I'm not God, so let's ask him. And, but he's talked about this a lot, more than I can give you right now. But let me, let me throw this one uh, scripture at you. So Proverbs 28, 13 says this. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. In Galatians 5, where we were reading verse 24, it says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Romans 6, 11 says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, what happens is this. And what I'm saying is each one of you have been offered this reality, right? If this is the first time you heard about it, now is a time to face this reality that there is a God in heaven who is in control, who has a great plan, who can be trusted. And, and he's invited us to come in connection with him. Through the work of his son, Jesus Christ, who saved you from your sins, saved you from damnation, from hell, 
if you believe in him, if you trust in him, if you confess your sins, he'll be faithful and just to forgive your sins, right? So we're invited into that, but that reality is when you say yes, that's just the beginning. There's a saving that happens over time. And so once you decide to do that, what, what, what the authors of Romans and Galatians are, are saying is you're basically saying, I'm still going to be doing these things and these little foxes are going to come and try to destroy the fruitfulness of my life. And I've got to stop when they come and I've got to say things like, man, I'm dead to that, to that unbelief. Count yourself dead to the lust. Count yourself dead to the fear. Count yourself dead to the worry. Crucify, put to death those things in you. It's easy to say, hard to do. And that's where Romans 13, 14 says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So here's what I want to leave you with. Here's another version of that Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Who wants mercy? Thank you for uh, going on this safari with me, but let's, it comes down to this. I need mercy. Because that list you just saw, that's, the end of it should be that. Wow. I'm a sinner. I'm a man of unclean and untrusting thoughts. Have mercy on me, God. And whether you've been baptized 37 times at every youth camp you went to and every two years since then, or you've never actually prayed a prayer to receive Jesus in your Savior, to simplify it, it's really that. Like you are a, a person who has fallen short of what God's designed you to be, a, a sinner. You're missing the mark. And so we come to him needing mercy. And so every day, every hour, no different now, I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And here's what we're going to pray. I want you to, I want you to think about it like this. I mean, you, if this helps, use this illustration and close your eyes and, and just consider that God reaching out His Spirit to you and you holding on. And this is a time where you, you'll come before Him and simply, we're going to, I'm going to pray this too, but if you, if you feel like I do, then you'll say this. That like, Lord, I am... a sinful person. I have let these little foxes destroy and put plunder to this vineyard of my life. I don't want to conceal them to you. I want to bring them to you and I want you to show me all these little foxes that are chewing away at my apple tree, right? And then when you see those, you confess them. That means I agree with you, that's wrong. I agree with you, that's wrong. And that's not me. I don't want to be that anymore. I forsake it. Give me your mercy and forgiveness. And that's what you do, okay? And then take these lists or go online afterwards and find it again. 
and, and spend that time as, as something happens. If it's control, like, oh, man, I'm so controlling or I'm so unbelieving or, or whatever it is, spend time with God just confessing that, saying, wow, that is me. I agree with you. Dang, no, I don't want to be that. Help me, God. And then you've got to not try to be uncontrolling, but to abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Talk to him. Read the scriptures. Be around other Christians. Sing songs. Take a walk in nature. Do whatever it is so that you know that God is near and that he loves you. Grab a hold as much as you can with both hands. And watch these things, these foxes, fade away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God that lives in me and surrounds us in us and through us, I can't understand all of your ways. But I, I know this. I am a sinful man. Man, fear, lust, those little foxes just try to hop into my life. I hate them, God. I agree with you. It is not. It is not good and not right and not helpful to be afraid. Not good, right, and helpful to be lustful. Not good, right, or helpful to control. Not good, right, or helpful to be unbelieving. Spirit, I pray that you would begin the process, continue the process of putting to death those things, those little foxes in my life. I ask for your forgiveness, Jesus. Lord, I ask that these be added to the list of the things you died for on the cross, that they would be forgiven. I pray that your blood would just wash me clean and white as snow. Thank you.